In case you're wondering why this text now, May 31st is set aside by the church as the Feast of the Visitation, commemorating Mary's visit to her cousin Elizabeth. The meeting of these two women was a joyful and unique event. Both found themselves pregnant under unusual circumstances. Elizabeth in her old age after suffering from infertility and Mary by the Holy Spirit. Their meeting reveals great faith that continues to inspire. The Magnificat is one of the most recognizable readings in all of the Gospels and here at Richmond Hill, which was once home to the Sisters of the Visitation. We sing or say the Song of Mary each night, partly as a nod to the Sisters who prayed here before us, but also because the Canticle of Mary is traditionally sung or prayed at evening prayer. It serves to remind us of God's justice while offering a vision for the reordering of society today. Mary went from fear and surprise at first learning that she'd be a mother to full acceptance and sheer joy at the prospect of what God was doing through her. Her response upon finally meeting up with Elizabeth was one of complete joy and thanksgiving. Many of you know of the roller coaster of emotions that come with the prospect of parenthood. As the father of three, I can relate, at least in part, to Mary's trepidation and elation. There is something terribly frightening and terribly thrilling about finding out that you're going to be a parent. Our first son, Clay, was barely a year old when we found out that we were expecting again. And then at a routine ultrasound, the technician shared some surprising news. Oh, she said, there are two in there. Kristen and I looked at each other in shock and began gasping for air. We started to cry and they weren't tears of joy, at least not at first. How were we going to handle three kids under the age of two? We had barely adjusted to having one. It didn't take long though before the realization of the gift that we'd been given set in and excitement and joy overwhelmed any fear or uncertainty. I imagine that Mary felt something like that, overwhelmed at first and then unparalleled excitement and joy. By the time Mary made her way to the hill country to see Elizabeth, she had adjusted to the idea of being a mother. She understood that she was a part of something wonderful. And so she went with haste to see Elizabeth, someone who could relate to her situation. They could relate not only because they were both pregnant but because they both had remarkable faith. They shared an unusual loyalty to God, and they each, these two unassuming women, gave themselves wholeheartedly to God's plan. Luke's gospel honors women like none of the others. He points out that they were important in Jesus' life and to his ministry, he portrays them in a favorable light, revealing that the gospel is available to the forgotten and often overlooked. At the time, women were not valued. They were looked down upon, considered uneducated, and their opinions carried little weight. Not so with Luke, though. Throughout his gospel, women are competent, sensible, and significant, and personally valued by Jesus. Elizabeth appears at the beginning of Luke's gospel as the first prophet. 
Her statement that Mary is the mother of my Lord is the first profession of its kind. It's not only a prophetic announcement, it's a declaration of faith. Both Elizabeth and Mary trusted that God's promises would be fulfilled one way or another for their sake and for the sake of the world. This was the God that they had heard about, the God they knew, and the God in whom they put their unwavering trust, a God in whom all things were possible. And so Mary sings in expectation, expecting the love, mercy, and justice of God to be revealed, to be born into the world in a way that would change everything. She sings in gratitude for what God was doing in her and then for what God was doing for others. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, she sings. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant and has done great things for me. And then her message shifts to what God did and is doing in history. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Mary sings of what God is up to, both in her and in the world. She recalls God's activity with Israel and the promise for future generations. She sings as if God's plans and intentions are already fulfilled. God has already scattered the proud, laid low the powerful, lifted up the lowly, and filled the hungry with good things. Luke advocates more than any other gospel for a radical and new social order, for a flip in relational patterns. His is an upside-down gospel. Scripture scholars call it the theme of reversal. The first will be last and the last will be first, is how Jesus put it. Luke shares story after story to show that what impresses people does not impress God and that people who think they are at the top are often in God's eyes at the bottom. And people who think they are at the bottom are in God's eyes often at the top. It's an attempt to subvert our human admiration of power, ambition, and glory. Jesus, throughout his ministry, advocates for a new social pattern, a much more horizontal pattern than the hierarchy of exploitation and domination of his day and of ours. And that is important as we navigate the challenge of our own times, the disparities, the imbalances, the bigotry and discrimination, the division and inequity here in Richmond that continues to have us seeking the healing of this metropolitan city. Mary already sees, or what Mary already sees, and what we are invited to see too, is a world in which God's love is experienced as justice. For her, it's already a done deal. She shares God's vision of a just world where the rich are not allowed to have more than they need, where the hungry are fed, where pride is put aside and power not something to be exploited. At the heart of this for Mary and Elizabeth is, well, God. 
and trust in God's ability to make it happen. Today, as we remember the visitation, let us also give thanks and praise to God for the promise of reversal in the coming of justice. And let us, like Mary and Elizabeth, humbly trust in God who turns the world upside down, a God who invites us to be Christ-bearers too, those who not only share the good news with the world, but work for justice so that Mary's song becomes the reality here and now. May it be so. Amen.